0: Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded November 7th, 2023. I'm Lori Calvasina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. Three big things you need to know. First, growth sectors are typically the biggest beneficiaries of declining 10-year Treasury yields. This analysis was in focus in our meetings last week, where investors were keen to explore what to own if yields have peaked. Second, small caps, where balance sheet concerns have overshadowed attractive valuations, were also in focus in our meetings last week. Friday's unemployment report also provided, beyond yields, another reason to be taking a look at small caps now. And third, there were a lot of interesting updates in our high-frequency indicators last week, with the most important one being that the deterioration in U.S. equity investor sentiment has finally started to look too extreme. The stock market has had a strong start to November, and the move seems deserved in light of what we're seeing in most, though admittedly not all, of our sentiment indicators. If you'd like to hear more, here's another five minutes. Now the details. Takeaway number one. Growth sectors are typically the biggest beneficiaries of declining 10-year Treasury yields. The biggest issue on the minds of the equity investors we spoke with in our meetings last week was whether 10-year Treasury yields have peaked. Generally, our view over the last month or so has been that if the surge in yields stopped soon, U.S. equities could escape without incurring too much damage. Here's what we've been highlighting. First, we highlighted how when the earnings yield of the S&P 500 and the 10-year Treasury yield are close to parity, as has been the case recently, the stock market tends to keep rising. There have been times in the past few decades when this cross-asset gauge of equity valuation has signaled coming declines in the S&P 500, but we didn't quite reach that level at the October 2023 highs. Second, the surge in yields that has occurred since early April 2023 hasn't been big enough to damage the U.S. equity market too much. Historically, when increases in yields have totaled 275 basis points or less, stocks have usually posted gains. It's when the increases are more than that, as was the case in 2021-2022, that stocks tend to fall. The recent surge totaled 168 basis points, unlike the 21-22 surge, which was more than 300. Third, we highlighted how the S&P 500 communication services and consumer discretionary sectors have the strongest inverse correlation between performance and trends in yields. These would be the two sectors the historical playbook says to buy on a peaking yield thesis. We see better valuations in communication services than consumer discretionary right now. Within small cap, healthcare is the sector that tends to be the most negatively affected by higher rates and should benefit the most if the peak in yields has been seen. Moving on to takeaway number two, small caps are another beneficiary of declining interest rate angst and rising unemployment actually helps make the case to look at small caps now. The state of small caps, which have deeply attractive valuations and have been underperforming recently, was also in focus in our meetings last week. We've been highlighting how angst around interest rates has been the main challenge that small caps have faced lately. Small caps tend to underperform when the Fed is tightening and outperform when the Fed is easing, but the easing cycle has seemed far off as investors have debated whether another hike is coming in December. We've been reminding investors that small cap balance sheets are in better shape than feared. For the average Russell 2000 company, the weighted average maturity is about four and a half years. To the extent that there is a maturity wall small-cap companies are about to run into, it's in the two- to five-year window, not soon. Additionally, the effective interest rate that small-cap companies are paying is still near historical lows. Small-cap companies, just like their large-cap peers, have increased exposure to long-term debt in recent years. Of course, interest rates aren't the only potential driver of small-cap performance trends. Friday's job report was also particularly interesting from a small cap perspective. It showed that the unemployment rate moved up noticeably. Prior to the financial crisis, we often saw small cap performance start to inflect positively versus large caps around the same time that the unemployment rate moved up. Sometimes the turn in small cap performance came ahead of the pivoted unemployment. Other times it came a bit after. But overall, this chart is a good reminder that small caps tend to price in economic problems ahead of time. Wrapping up with takeaway number three, an important shift in sentiment. The biggest thing that jumped out on our high frequency indicators last week was that net bulls in the AAII survey finally reached levels suggesting pessimism in U.S. equities may have gotten too extreme. In last week's update, net bullishness fell to two standard deviations below the long-term average on the weekly data point and to one standard deviation below the long-term average on the four-week average. From these kinds of levels, the S&P 500 is typically up about 14% over the next 12 months. Does this mean we're out of the woods for 2023? Not necessarily, but it is a promising data point for the year ahead. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out to your RBC representative with any questions.